This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Good evening, everyone. Thank you for coming to tonight's share. Um, I have the honor to have sitting next to me the one of the creators of Torah Anytime, which I have to say, without them, I would not be my share would not be out there in the world. I mean, we do have Kolalashan, but it's a lot of people who don't know how to get onto Kolalashan to phone. But to actually be the video, because some people like to see the speaker, um, that's what Torah Anytime did for me. And Baruch Hashem, um, it helped me in many different things. And one of the things it helped me in is our new book, my new book, haha, I have it finally, Let There Be Rain, together with Rav Shem and Finkelman. You should all go out and buy this book. It's very important. It's a book on gratitude, on how to show thanks to other people. And 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 um, I think it's a, a fixing of all relationships. Gratitude to yourself. To thank yourself for, for making the right decision sometimes to fight Yitzhar this week's parsha. He said, "Selam ulchama alavecha." We're going to get to you in two minutes. He said, "Selavecha." Um, right, that you go to war on your on your enemy. It's this week's parsha. Who's your enemy? Who's the biggest enemy that a person has? Yitzhar. That's right. You got it. Yitzhar. Right. He said, "Selam ulchama alavecha." You can't wait till Yitzhar comes out on you. You have to go after him. You have to take the first step. You have to make the first move. If you make the first move, if you throw out the videos from your room and all the other schmutz and things that you're not supposed to have, right? If you do that, you take the first step. Then Hashem says, Hashem Hashem will put him in your hands. He will become your captive. Instead of you becoming his captive, right? Behind his bars, He's going to become your captive. What's the secret of that whole war? We're going to talk a lot about this in Elul. The secret of that war is that you have to take the first step. You have to make the move. You can't have the stuff in your room or all the stuff around you and say, don't worry, Rabbi Wallace, which I hear all the time, right? Don't worry, I'm different. You know, I can have this stuff. It doesn't affect me. I can watch this stuff. Ah, doesn't mean anything to me. You know, I can hang out in these places. It doesn't mean anything to me. Then you're going to lose the war. How do you win the war? When you take when you take the first punch. When Rabbi Wallstein was a young teenager and he learned in Mir Yeshiva in um, in Flatbush. So we had a lot of problems with in those days with anti-Semitic um, kids fight throwing rocks through Mir Yeshiva's base medrash window. We'd be sitting and all of a sudden smash. So we had a whole group of guys. That used to be like the guys that would go out and fight. I haven't been one of them. So the rule, I wasn't a New York kid, I was a, I was a, but, but the rule in hockey was always take the first punch. In other words, don't stand there and, and say, well, I'm not gonna hit him until he hits me, because after he hits you, you're on the floor. You're on the ice. You're, you're done, right? So it was always like, if you're gonna, if you're gonna get into a punching fight, you take the first punch, right? You gotta make the first move. You gotta take the first punch. You have to remove, you have to go to war on the Yet Sahara, you have to remove the things, right? Not say, oh, you know, let the Yet Sahara come to, no, you have to go, you have to, you have to attack, you have to be aggressive when it comes to davening, you have to be aggressive, you have to get up in the morning, you have to, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's always the guys who, me included, when we were young and we would say like, five more minutes. Right? That's all the Yitzhar. Yitzhar never asked you. It's an interesting thing, right? You, 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 you gotta go to 8 o'clock minion. Right? So you, you know, to make the 8 o'clock minion, you gotta get up at 7.30, right? And, and, and get out of bed and take a shower, whatever you have to do. So, what does he tell you? At 7.30, what does he tell you? He doesn't tell you half an hour. 
go back to sleep for an hour. He says, five minutes. All right, so you take the shower a little faster. You know, you run to the bathroom, you know, you get out of bed a little bit faster. Five minutes, because he knows if you go back to sleep for five minutes, you wake up at 10 o'clock, an hour and a half later. Right? So he's, so, so you gotta take the water then. You gotta take the water him. You gotta get out, you gotta say five minutes? Are you crazy? Not one minute. Not one minute. That's it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not waiting till you come to me. That, you have to be aggressive offense. Right? What's the best defense? Anyone who plays ball. The best defense is a good offense. So, that's what, that's what this posture is all about. The best defense is a good offense. You have to go to war on your enemy. Your enemy is Yitzhar. Unasano is a, what is it called? No, that the word goes backwards and forwards, like race car. It spells race car both ways, you know that? A paralitigam, a para... Come on, where's my English majors here? No? Yeah, we went through this before. No? David. What is that called in English? A word that goes backwards and forwards. A para... A palindrome. A palindrome. Thank you very much. Did you know that race car was a palindrome? Think about it. Race car spells backwards race car. It's very cool. It's one of the big ones that uh, race car this way and backwards spells race car. Go backwards. Right. It's, you know, David, everyone can figure out. Dalit days, Dalit spells, Dalit days, Dalit. But race car is a little bit harder to figure out. So anyway, so the word unisano, vav, nun, tov, nun, vav, spells unisano both ways. So what it's, on, on, on one way, on one side, unisano, if you look in your Chumash, the word before unisano is avyecha, is yetzahara. The word after unisano is Hashem. So, uh, on one side is Avyecha, is your enemy, which is Satan. On the other side is Akash Baruch Hu. And Akash Baruch Hu says that if you go to war on him, I will give you him, on the other side, the same way, right? I will give him in, into your hand. So, we have to, and we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit later, I want to I get to the app. Um, so, so, this is what we have to do in, in the month of Elo, we have to be aggressive. How do you know that? How do you know you need to take the first step, everybody? In Elul, how do you know that? Anyone here know? How do you know? Why do I have to take the first step? Let God come to me. Why do I got to go to God? Right? Usually God comes to me. Elul stands for Ani, Lidodi, Lidodi, Li. So what's the, what, what does that mean? I am Ani Lidodi. I am to my loved one. I am to Hashem. And Hashem is to me. So who's taking the first step in that word? The person is taking the first step towards Hashem. So you see, this week's first Pashan Elul, right? Is it first Pashan Elul? Second Pashan Elul. Second Pashan Elul. Pashki right? Tells you the same thing. You gotta take the war. You gotta make the move. Elul, you gotta make the move. Hashem's waiting for you to make the first move. And Anila Ladaidi, then automatically, Akash Baruch says Ladaidi. Anyway, so, Baruch Hashem, we have the founder of Torah Anytime sitting next to me. And, uh, one of the founders, two brothers, um, Reuven and Shimon, and they, um, Shimon and Reuven, and they have created this unbelievable, unbelievable place where people go for shirim. How many different shirim? How many different, how many different rabbis? Over 400. 400 different rabbis. You know what that is? Four, you go to a big yeshiva, how many rabbis in the yeshiva? 20? 
This is the biggest yeshiva in the world. 400 rabbis. And there's Hebrew, right? And there's Russian, and there's Persian, and there's Spanish, and there's English, and there's Rabbi Waldstein's English. Sign language, really? And there's sign language. So, like, this is the biggest yeshiva in the whole world. Okay, now. So, I don't understand the internet very well, Baruch Hashem. But um, I know that they came out, they, they redid it. And on top of that, they just came out last week with something very amazing, which is an app, which I believe, now why am I advertising Rabbi Waldstein, who's against iPhones and all this other stuff? Why am I advertising an app? Because first of all, as much as I'm against it, most people have it. And second of all, and second of all, from what I understand, and Ruben will, and, and, and Shimon's going to explain, I think that the app gets you to Torah anytime without you having to get onto the internet. Is that true? Yes. In a, and if it do, yes. in a big way. So if it does that, I'm a happy guy. For sure, very happy guy. So um, if we could turn the camera maybe towards... Yeah, you good? Okay, of course, Tim, and he's going to explain to the world who's watching to understand here how... Just take a look. How this app works. Very important. And then we'll continue. First of all, um, thank you uh, for allowing me this opportunity. Rabbi, uh, it's our good to, to have you on our site. Our Walsing is one of our top speakers. We and Hara Baruch Hashem. Um, we're, this, this whole, this whole uh, project is just a dream for us. For the past eight years, Baruch Hashem, we've been running TorahAnytime.com with my brother and Yosef Davis and an incredible uh, volunteer base. Uh, we've gone through many challenges, a, lo- a lot of ups and downs, a, lo- a lot of the different situations. But Baruch Hashem are going strong, as hard as it is. And uh, Baruch Hashem, you, you even had like these uh, anti-Shira and the Yitzhara sending viruses, didn't you? Yeah, you like about that? five years ago. We were at, yeah. uh, during, so during the, there was a war in Israel at that time, Hezbollah, and there were it was a whole mess. But Baruch Hashem, uh, we're, we're, we're moving strong, and we have Baruch Hashem over 20,000 video and audio shirim, uh, one of the largest collections of video shirim in the world. And just last week, Baruch Hashem, out of, uh, of uh, you know, from so much, uh, uh, um, it was so hard for us to make this app. There were so many challenges involved. The Yitzhar was fighting so strong. But Baruch Hashem, we, we, we launched it last week, and already thousands of people from around the world who have an iPhone and who have an Android phone have downloaded the app, and uh, and this is going to take things to a totally different level. Um, and what I'm asking you guys to do, all the people who are watching all over the world, first of all, thank you for all our fans, thank you for all the emails, all the letters, all the support, all the chizuk that you guys given us. But what I'm asking you on behalf of Torah Anytime, we encourage you, if you have an iPhone or an Android, please download the app on, on, onto your device. Uh, leave a five-star rating, please. If you have any issues with the app, if something is not working properly, please email us. Don't leave a negative review. Um, and Bezat Hashem um, will have many, many uh, uh, more users around the world. And one of the biggest gifts you can give to someone whether they're religious or not yet religious, is you take their phone and tell them, I'm giving you the greatest gift right now. You take their phone, you download the app for them. And maybe they might not use it right away. Maybe a week from now, a month from now, a year from now, they'll see that app on their phone. They'll, 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 they'll hit it. And they'll watch one of the lectures of Warren Wallerstein, and their, their lives will change forever. So it is our, obliga- our obligation... 
to go out and to spread this incredible app. And, and of course, also while, while I'm speaking about this, to get everyone to uh, order this incredible book, we need to break all the records. B'zal Hashem, we will twist Hashem's arm to bring Mashiach, B'zal Hashem, speedily. Amen. So, so thank you, Rabbi Wallstein. This is what it's all about. What's the app called? It's called Torah Anytime. You go to the App Store, okay, Google Play or the App Store, you just type in Torah Anytime, you download the app, it's absolutely free, okay, absolutely free. Amazing. Okay, it, it's 20,000 shirim on video in your pocket, anywhere you go. You're inspired at 2 o'clock in the morning, you have trouble uh, sleeping, listen to Roy Wallstein, no, he'll, no, he'll wake... No. He'll wake, up, up. Yeah. he'll wake you up. He'll wake you up. I'm banging on the table. I'm banging on the table. He'll wake you up. Keep, keep you up all night and learning. So that's the situation. Please encourage everyone to download this app. It's free. Leave a five-star review. This really helps. We want to take all these numbers that we're going to have, these big numbers with your help. And we're going to want to go to a donor that has a lot of money and say, look, we have this app. It's going for free. We have 100,000 people who've downloaded this app. Please help us out because there's always a financial struggle with Torah anytime. Our monthly expenses are well over 15,000. Server fees, web hosting fees, storage fees. We have uh, teams in India nonstop working on the, the website, on the app. There's so much work involved. So again, thank you for all the people I, around I the world. A big move in India. They're listening to my shiurim and they're giving up all the Hinduism and trying to trying to become Jews. Did you hear about that? No? Not yet. No, I'm kidding. Not yet. <laughs> You never, you never know. Thank you, you Reverend. Thank you so much. Oh, yeah. Thank you. You understand it much more than I. Thank you. Thank you, Mamish, for being on my Beat Torah. We really appreciate it. Okay. So let's go back to, um, let's get back to the parsha. So Baruch Hashem, it's a, I don't even know what to say it is. Um, it's, it's a miracle. It's a gift. It's, it's Ha'idol Hashem Kitov. But what I'd like to do is, um, every week to, Mitz Hashem, learn, um, to learn a shear from the book on Akar Satov, which I think is, um, which is really very important. So we're going to learn the first shear, and then we'll go back to the Pasha. So the first lesson, and I, and I have to, I'll tell you a story about this, but the first lesson in the book is as follows. Well, first of all, I, if you look in the back of the book, you'll see that the, the reason it's called Let There Be Rain, I spoke about this for the whole last two months, is because that nothing grew in the world. Um, when Adam was created, the world was had you know there was a sun and a moon, all that, but there was no vegetation. And the reason there was no vegetation is because there was no man in the world to daven for rain, to thank Hashem for the rain. Says Rashi. So when the first Hakarsa told the reason the vegetation was held back was only because Hashem wanted the first person to have Hakarsa told. The first person in the world was based on Hakarsa told. So that's the importance of the essence of the world is is. Is recognition in Hashem. That's why it's called "Let There Be Rain." So, so the first lesson talks about Bikurim, and there's a mitzvah. We know there's a mitzvah in Bikurim, right? That um, that the first fruits in Eretz Yisrael that grow on your tree. So you have to tie a little red string around that around that blossom, and then beautiful. I heard beautiful. We have to hear this. So around that blossom, and and then when it grew, you knew it was the first fruit of the tree, and you put it into a basket. And you, you brought it up, not only, which he writes, he, we talk about in the book, where not only do you bring it up to the Beis Hamikdash, to the Kohen, but they used to go with a whole band and a bunch of people singing. So it wasn't like when you brought a carpet, you didn't have a band, right? When you brought Bikurim, you had a band. Now, the rich people brought it with gold baskets, and the poor people brought it with straw baskets. So Chazal say that 
the the Kohen gave the rich person back the gold basket. In other words, he took the fruit out and he gave him back the gold basket. But the man, the poor man who brought the basket in a made out of straw, right? That the Kohen Gadol, the Kohanim would keep. So they ask a question, I don't understand. The, the coin should have kept the gold for the base amigdash, for the, for the, right, to pay. It's gold. He, he should have kept the gold, and the, the, the straw has no value. He should have given that back, right? So everybody thinks that the reason that happened was because we want to show the poor man that even though you're giving straw to Hashem, since you're a poor man and you're bringing Bikurim to Hashem, the straw is worth more than the gold. That's one of the answers that everybody gives. It's a very nice emotional answer, right? It's a whole different answer. And the answer is as follows. That the Kohen would, with both baskets, or I mean with the, with the gold basket, he would take the fruit, put it on, put it, let's say put it on the table, give back the basket, keep the fruit. He says the rich man had these beautiful orchards with beautiful fruit. So the basket and the fruit from the top to the bottom was all beautiful fruit. The poor man, he had a couple of trees, right? They weren't very healthy. That's right. So, so what he would do is he would take the nice fruit, and he would put it on top of the basket. And then not such nice fruit, he would put it on the bottom of the basket. So if the Kohen gave him back the straw basket, he would have to take the fruit out, put it on the table. Everybody would see, ugh, look at that fruit, that's not nice. So Hashem said, the Kohen, keep the whole basket, don't pour the fruit out, take the whole basket. It looks like to everybody that the fruit is great, because that's what's on top. They don't see what's underneath. So there, take the whole basket. The rich guy, his fruit's beautiful anyway, give him back the gold basket. We learn from this, how strict he is, how strict God is, that you shouldn't hurt somebody's feelings. So even, right, so it's just the opposite. The poor man said, Hey, look at that rich man. They don't even keep his basket. My baskets are keeping. But the real reason that we keep the baskets, we don't want to show the fruit that he has underneath, which doesn't look so good. Kajbuk is very, God is very sensitive on a person, on any being, any creation's feelings. Anyway, so Bikurim, right? Bikurim is a mitzvah of gratitude. So we say the following. Bikurim are the first ripened fruits of the seven species, which Eretz Yisrael is especially blessed. The Torah commands us that each year, during the base of Migdash, the farmers of the land should bring the Bikurim to the base of Migdash and offer praise to Hashem for His abundant kindness. How does this mitzvah serve as the purpose of creation? Right? So the answer is, the Alshif explains that the essence of the mitzvah of Bikurim is Akar Satov, to express gratitude to Hashem. Akar Satov is the fundamental to our immune and observance of mitzvahs. That is why the mitzvah Bikur was carried out with great fanfare, and the farmer made a public declaration of thanks to Hashem. In discussing the path towards fear and love of Hashem, the Rambam writes, it's a Rambam, when a person focuses on Hashem's wondrous deeds and creations and recognizes infinite and unparalleled wisdom, he will immediately become filled with love and praise of Hashem. In other words, one of the, one of the ways to connect in a relationship with God is through Hakar Satov. Hakar Satov is the recognition of what he does good for me. When I recognize that you did something good for me, I know you thought about me because you're doing something good for me. I know that I count in your life because you did something good for me. And I know that you love me because you did something good for me. So by, by, by recognizing a flower, a fruit, and a smell, a taste, that everything that Hashem did for us, right, that recognition, that recognition creates our relationship with each other becomes stronger. If I take my wife for granted, 
And everything she does, I take for granted that I don't have a relationship with her. But if I'm like, you know, she, she was away for a week, I had to do my own laundry. Oh my gosh, I never knew that it takes, it's not so easy to do your own laundry and then to iron and to fold and, and to schlep it up and schlep it down, right? And do it right and not do it wrong and not bleach the wrong thing and not, right? So you don't, I don't appreciate my wife's laundry because I never do laundry in my life, right? But if I do appreciate my wife's laundry and I realize she does my laundry, she cooks my food, she makes my bed, she makes sure that the kids are taken care of, you know, leave a guy home for a week with his kids and she should leave. They don't have a curse to tell what a, what a, what a mother, when a wife does. So, so when you recognize what the other person does for you, 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 you love them more. Because you realize that what this person does for me is so much. So if you didn't care for me, and you, and, and you didn't love me, why would you do all that for me? So through the recognition, you create the relationship to become much stronger. So it's not, oh, why do I have to say thank you? You're saying, by saying thank you, that's how you develop the relationship with, with, with that person. So, what they're saying over here is, that Bikurim, the farmer, by the way, the farmer, of course, it, it says the, the, the person who has the, the Gemara says, who has the greatest moon in God? Who has the greatest moon in God? A, a, um, a sailor. So when the sailor's out in the ocean, right, he needs, not today, but, I mean even today, but he needed winds. Right? And he knew that the winds came from Hashem. So he, he needed Hashem to bring the winds when he needed the winds. He needed Hashem to get them through the storms. So they, and who else was a very big belly? What are the farmers? We go to the store, we buy fruit, we buy apples, have a good day. Right? With the farmer, if he doesn't get the rain that he needs, and he doesn't get the rain in the time that he needs, and I just heard a crazy story that, um, that on Labor Day, because people make a lot of, um, it was on the news, Labor Day, people make a lot of, uh, barbecues that they had the environmental police on the border of Connecticut listen to this checking everybody that was coming into Connecticut with wood in their cars to make whatever barbecues whatever they needed wood for because in the neighboring state there was this this insect this that lives in the middle of trees and eats the inside of the tree and kills the trees and Mamish kills them really really very fast so that people, in, the guy in Connecticut, they want to protect all the trees. So they don't, they don't want to let this bug or whatever it's called, the weevil, evil, whatever. It's something that lives in the tree. They want to make sure that it doesn't come from Connecticut into Connecticut. So they had these guys, mamish, you got wood, let's take a look at it. They would open it up and take a look at it. So, so we don't even appreciate that, you know, that, that, that there are things that eat your trees. But Baruch Hashem, you go outside, your trees are nice. It was in the mountains, the trees around my house, and my bungalow, and all the trees. Right, there are things that eat trees. So that you, so the more you know about your body and the more you know about this world, the more you appreciate what Hashem does to you. So bikurim, bikurim is the antithesis, good word, of gratitude. Why? 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 Is, why, why? Because the first fruit, the first child, the first fruit. A person feels it's kaychem oitzim yadi. I, I, this is my fruit, right? That's why the bachar, a boy, you have to give to the kohen for thirty days, and you have to do a pidyon aben, because the parents of that boy, since it's their first child and it's a boy, feel like, hey guys, guys give out cigarettes and cigars, right? Why, hey, I had a boy. I had a boy. First of all, we had a boy. Not I had a boy. 
takes three, Hashem, the woman, and the husband. So, because without Hashem putting the soul in, what do you have, right? A goyim. So it's, we had a boy. So they give out cigars and they're like, hey, you know, I'm a guy, but I never had that chance. I have five daughters, I never gave out cigars, right? But you feel like, so, so the first child we say, no, it's not yours. You think I can wait to me other, you think you did it? No, it goes to the client for 30 days. Calm down. For 30 days, it belongs to the client, it belongs to the Migdash, until we do the, until we do the Pidyan Ben. So the, the first of everything is a certain love, there's a certain, like, I did it. So we make the farmer, right? The guy who has all, we make him take the first fruit, tie a ribbon around it, and bring it up to the cohen and say, it's not yours. You gotta give it away. The rest of it you can keep. But that you gotta give away because the first, you have this feeling of and automatically, if you think that it's yours, you don't have gratitude to Hashem. Right? Automatically, you don't have gratitude. If it's me, what do you mean? I'm a great ball player. I'm a great businessman. Of course I got a beautiful girl. I am very handsome. I'm not talking about myself. I'm just giving an example, right? I am this, and I am that, and I am this. So then you don't have gratitude to Hashem, because hello, I was born a natural athlete. Who made you a natural athlete? Right? So, so automatically, when you have that gaiva of that I did it, so the Torah tells us, not only do you have to give the first fruit, which you think is my fruit, away, but there's going to be a whole fanfare. We're going to make a whole party, marching, with music, really saying, it's not mine. I'm bringing it to the coin. I'm bringing it to Hashem. I'm bringing it to the base of Migdash. It's not mine. Right. So, so that is the, the, what beats. The worst thing is a person who's an ingrate, who doesn't have, who doesn't thank, who doesn't have that. It usually comes from a place that's, it's me. What do you mean? I say thank you, I'm a good businessman. You know, I should say thank you, I'm a good ball player. What do you mean? I was born like that. Like, why should I say thank you? So, Bikurim is the, is, and that's the first mitzvah here, that's what it says over there. First thing is we have to break it. So he says, when a person focuses on the gems, wonders, deeds, and creation, recognizes infinite and parallel wisdom, he will immediately become filled with love and praise of Hashem, and he will desire to know Him. As David Amelah says, "My soul fills for Hashem." The universe, the flow of Jewish history, and our daily lives are filled with Hashem's kindness. When one contemplates His kindness, he becomes filled with love for the gratitude to Hashem, and strengthens the resolve to faithfully serve Him. The first of the Ten Commandments, right? The first of the Ten Commandments. Who? What is the first? What does it say? Neichi Hashem, Asher, Tisichem Eretz I am Hashem who took you out of Egypt. The Midrash says, Hashem said, "I am your guard." I am your God. Why do you have to say who took you out of Egypt? You all know that. Hashem, you should say Hashem. You now have another God. Why does it say I am a God? I am I am your God who took you out of Egypt because he was saying to them, "Be careful." The first of the Ten Commandments is don't be an ingrate. Ingrate means a person who is not grateful. So Hashem is saying, Hashem I am Hashem your God. But not only that. Not only am I Hashem your God, but I should seek a merit triumph. I took you out of Mitzrayim. And for that, you have a special gratitude to me. Because really, what it should have said is a Neich Hashem Alekecha that created the world. I am Hashem your God who created the world. You took us out of Mitzrayim. You did a lot more. That's one little episode. You created the world. I am your God. I am the God of the world. Why shouldn't you serve any of my desire? I'm the God of the world that created the world. But it doesn't say I am God that created the world. It's I am God that took you out of the tribe. Why? Because Klayusro has a special gratefulness, a special thankfulness 
to Hashem more than the rest, of, more than all the Goyim and the rest of the world. The rest of the world has to be grateful to Hashem, created the world. But we're even more than that. Now you created the world. And but after you created the world, we ended up in Egypt, and we would have been we would have been slaves. We would have been a nice world with a bunch of slaves. So So in the first mitzvah of the foundation of the Ten Commandments, God is talking about gratitude. I took you out of a triumph, so you guys owe me something that the rest of the world does not owe me. Okay. So he says, an ingrate, ingrate means the person who is not grateful, who does not acknowledge the miracles of, of leaving with triumph, cannot truly accept. So he says the following story. Every, every, every page has Torah, and then a story. And the story is like this. The Manchester Shashiva of Yehuda Zev Segel never missed an opportunity to express Hakar Satov. When on an overcast day the clouds parted to allow the sun to shine, he lifted his, head, his eyes heavenward and said with a smile, The Rebunish has brought out the sun for all of us. So you hear this? This is a Galadar, and I'm sure this happens a million times in our lifetimes. It was a cloudy day, the clouds opened up, and the sun came out, and he's saying to Hashem, I want to thank you for letting the sun come out. When a woman afforded Rosh Hashiva, Baruch Hashem, she was expecting a child, he said, Baruch Hashem, Chazde Hashem, the kindness of Hashem. One has no idea how much gratitude one must feel for being able to have a child, and the child for being born healthy. So I want to tell you something that happened today. Then there's one other story which Mamish blew me away. I mean, there's a lot of them in here, but it's a story about a man who had a very miserable, miserable life. And he didn't have any children. He lost his wife. Um, he pretty much was very, very alone. He was also sick. And he was always smiling. He was in shul. He was always smiling. He was like, he was 80 years old. And he was, and he was always smiling. So somebody came over to him in shul. And said to him, I don't understand. You don't have a wife. You don't have children. Right? You don't have money. You're not healthy. What, why, why are you always smiling? This is what he said. Now you think of a story. He said, why am I smiling? He said, let me ask you something. He says to this person. He says, so you moved into a house. There's a landlord. There's a landlord. And the landlord says, okay, everything's included. Everything's included. Heat, electricity, right? Everything's included. And you live in that house for 80 years. Baruch Hashem. And you never have to pay rent. You never have to pay any rent. Wouldn't you be happy? Wouldn't you be smiling? Wouldn't you be the happiest person in the world? Electricity, right? No rent? He said, look at me. He said, I'm living in this world. I'm living in this world for 80 years. God never asked me for rent. What do you, how do you pay Hashem? You think by davening and learning that pays Hashem? That doesn't pay Hashem. That's your relationship with Hashem. So you're living here for free. He's putting you to a world where you can have nachas from your children. You can eat and you can drink and you can smell all the beautiful things. And you can live in this world. And not one day does Hashem say that every single day you have to put $100 in the tzedakah box or pay $1,000 in, give $1,000 a month in tzedakah to pay rent to stay in this world. Free rent. Uh, it's a crazy story. He says, I shouldn't be happy. I don't have children. I don't have that. But, but I'm rent free. Wouldn't you thank your landlord who's giving you heat and electricity and light and everything for 80 years? And he tells you you're rent free for the rest of your life? It's a dream to live in a house and never have to pay rent. He says, I live in this world. I don't pay rent. What is there to be sad about? I was like, well, that's a crazy story. 
Anyway, so so he's talking about the um, he's talking about the the the, the sun. You know that the Manchester he's talked about when the sun when the when the clouds opened up and the and the and the sun came out. So today it was a very sad day for me. Um, one of my students, one of the girls that I that, that I'm very close to, after a few years of being married and with a little boy, a little child, got divorced. And because her parents are not here, I had to. I went with her to the to be like her father, so to say, to sit with her um, at this divorce, um, at this get. It's probably the saddest thing to ever see a, a husband put a get in his wife's hands, and then you know her hands are open, and then she has to close her hands and walk with it. It's it's. it's I was cry, I was mamish on the side. I was I was broken. You know, Rabbi Wallstein is a is a life to go to weddings and be an aide at the wedding, but to to, to you know to sit by a divorce and watch. Watch a cipher write a divorce on parchment instead of you know watching a Rosh Hashiva write a Ksuva on parchment. It's it's tragedy. It's like it says. It's 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 a, it's a the, distru- the Mizbeach cries. It's the destruction in in the Yerushalayim of a house. It's 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 it was very sad. So the 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 girl who who was there was of course it's a very very uh, it's a very big thing in a person's life. You know all those all those hopes and. And, and, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, like, I, I was there when these two guys got married. Uh, you know, I did the pigeon on Ben on their kid. I was probably a witness at their wedding. So I gave a bracha at their wedding. Great bracha, that worked out. But anyway, um, so so I'm standing there and I'm like, they really loved each other once upon a time. And, and all those hopes of being married and bringing up children together and, and fun and life, gone. You know, just gone again. It's over. Crisis. Crisis means it's caught. So, so she turns to me and she says, "So, so why, Rabbi? So, so how am I supposed to go to sleep tonight and thank Hashem for my life?" And she's, you know, and I have to, you know, and I'm like, you know, what am I supposed to answer? This is, you know, the Gemara, the Mishnah Pekayov says. Don't talk to someone when the mace is, is in front of them. In other words, when someone loses a person, don't try to make them feel good because it's just going to aggravate them more. So I'm like, we're, we're going to start giving her a shiyan emuna. And I remember this, this first lesson over here and I said something to her. I said the following. I said, you know, some people, like the Manchester Rove, when, 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 when the clouds break open and the sun comes out, so they thank Hashem. I said, but there are other people in the world who are farmers. And every single day they come out and the sun is clear. Like in the United States, this, this summer is in the middle of a drought, drought. And they come out every day and, and there's no clouds. And they're davening for clouds. I said, and when the clouds come, if they're white clouds, it doesn't help them. I said, but if they're dark clouds... And they're black clouds. They become unbelievably happy. Why are you happy? They're dark black clouds. Because dark black clouds give rain. And rain makes things grow. So Baruch Hashem, that Hashem put those words into my mouth and I said, right now you're sitting in a room. You know, you have the Adim and the Bezdin. So you're sitting in the room and the clouds are really dark. But dark clouds bring rain. You know, this marriage didn't work for whatever reasons, whatever it was, it wasn't happening. 
and you need you need to grow from this. You need to have a life after this. And some people, when there's very dark clouds, it's good for them because light clouds don't bring rain, and sun doesn't bring rain. Sun's great, but it doesn't bring rain. And for things to grow, if it's sunny all year and the, and there's no rain, nothing grows. I said, I'll tell you something even interesting. The way Hashem, you know, created the world. Things can live just in water without sunlight. Things grow on the bottom of the ocean. With water, everything can grow. Just sunlight, I don't think anything can grow. You have to have some water in the desert in the winter. When it rains, everything grows. In the middle becomes summer, it's all sand. So the way Hashem created the world is that in pure sunlight, without rain, nothing can grow. But in pure rain, without sunlight, certain things can grow. Hydrophonics, whatever. Certain things can grow. So I told her, I said, you're in your rain right now, but clouds are really dark. Clouds that are really dark sometimes are good because there's a lot of water in them and water makes things grow. So it's a dark moment for you right now, but those clouds will give you rain and the rain will make things grow. And Mitzvah Hashem will... We'll have Adam again, and there'll be Adam by Yechupa, and she doesn't really want to hear about Chupa at that point. Um, you know, like a woman who gives birth, she says, I'm never going to have children again, so a woman gets divorced, like, I'm never going to get married again. But uh, it was very painful. It was a very painful thing to sit at. But Lemay said, the truth. The truth is that, that, that rain and dark clouds, you know, when there's a drought, rain and dark clouds is a good thing. So sometimes when it gets really dark outside... Right? It's not scary. It's, it's what we're waiting for. You know, the people in the Midwest right now would love it to get dark. They have no rain. The forests in California are burning down by hundreds of thousands of acres. They wish it would get really dark for a couple of days. So, that's why I should have created the world. You know, even from the darkness, I, 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 I was talking to Ray Fickleman about this. I, I think Hakarsa told, that's the, that's the word Hakara. Across the Torah means not always when, not when things are always great. Across the Torah means recognition of good, even in things that, you know, even things that don't that don't look good. You know, sometimes they say Mazel Tov at the end of a get. It's scary to say Mazel Tov that when someone gets a get. But these two people have a chance to start a new life. You know, start a new life and and both be happy. They're both not happy. Now they have a chance to find somebody and they'll be happy and make two other people happy. So there's there's in the darkness. There's a light, you know, in the darkness there's rain that can make things grow. Okay. Anyway, um, let's go back into the parsha and then I'll let you guys go. Anyway, so that's our first lesson on Akar Satov. And next week, and next week in Mitz Hashem, we're going to have the Sefer Zichronos, the, the, the second book. We don't have it yet. It didn't come out yet. That's amazing. It's, it's, it's off the charts and we definitely made much too little. We're going to run out of that in the first week. There's no question about it. Because it's not, this is a one book family. One book, you buy one, maybe two. But that's for every kid in your family has to have one. Every person in the family has to write in a Sefer Zichronos every night. So that next year Rosh Hashanah, you have that next year Machsa, and you're like, God, I have my own Sefer Zichronos. Only good things in this book, and you can only look at the good things. It's a, the most powerful tool. It's gonna to be like 25 bucks. 25 bucks gets you into the Sefer Achaim in, in Shemayim. 25 bucks. You have to understand something. I was telling you, it's like two pies of pizza. Right? This you have a whole year. Just imagine, I'm, I'm going to write one. 
and maybe some of you guys will be in my book if you do something for me. I don't know, but whatever. But I'm going to write one, and I just can imagine. I'm just saying. No, I'm just saying. First of all, I'm going to write a cross for you guys for sure for coming to the shir. But but I can just imagine opening that. Imagine I were coming to Rosh Hashanah. Imagine in 30 days I opening a book, and I can go through every page, and in every page of my book, it says it says I have cross the toes. You know, I, I would have written in my book tonight if I had it. I want to, I want to show Hashem across the Tov. Today, I watched a lot of pain, but I learned that in darkness, the darkest clouds bring the most beautiful rain. Now, I'm not going to remember this year in three months from now, but imagine me opening that book in a year from now, and there it is. Wow. Every day, because people ask me, there are some very famous speakers that you all know, that when they meet me, they're like, I, I don't understand. How do you give a different shear every week? I mean, nobody can do that. Like, how do you, you can't make up so, you can't have so many stories. There are certain speakers that have a certain amount of stories, and, and, right? And I'm like, because my shear is based on life. Life, every single day, there's another story. The problem is we don't write them down. So we don't write them down. We don't recognize that every day there's another story. So today was Nebuchadnezzar, tomorrow Mitchell will be good things. And every day you can learn something from every day. But you have to write it down if you don't write it down. And we're also working on an app. It's called the Gratitude Aptitude. And the app is, the app we're working on it. We, they're helping us. It's, it's, it's a simple app where you go and you, you go into the app and you type in, just like you do it in a book, but a lot of people don't have the patience to write in a book. So this you can write also the books in your house. And it's next to your bed. It has Krishna Lamita, has all kinds of other things. So let's say something happens during the day that you're not, you're not even remember when you go to sleep what happened. So here, if you have the app, it's on your phone, nine o'clock in the morning, you're sitting in the, you know, Seeing in the restaurant, this just happened to me last week. This is very cool. Seeing in the restaurant, I'm having breakfast. Finish breakfast. I say to the wait, I say to the waitress, can I get my check please? She goes, it's paid for. I'm like, what? She goes, yeah, there was someone here who seemed to have known you and they paid for it. I'm like, who? What did they look like? Where were they? She goes, no, they, they said I shouldn't say anything. I didn't know anybody in that restaurant. So someone that knew Rebbe Waltz or whatever it is. So I'm like, so I would have been, if I would have had one of these phones, which Baruch Hashem I don't have, but if I would have had one of these phones, I would have typed in right away, 9.15, breakfast, somebody paid for my breakfast, right? At night, I might have forgotten that already. So if you have an app, you can put it in there right away into this little book, and then the cool part, you ready for the cool part? So the cool part is, let's say I'm, let's say I'm thanking, he would definitely be in my aptitude, right? I would say, thank you, Shimon, for Torah anytime. Now, in my, in my, on my phone, it says Torah anytime, Shimon. That's how it's listed in my phone. So the minute I write on my app, thank you, Shimon Torah anytime, it's gonna go right away to my contacts. So then all I need to do, automatically, just push the button send, he will get what I wrote in my app. So imagine your mom at night, you're sitting in, in, in your bed and you want to do your thank you gratitude app and you're writing your mother and your mother happens to be up at some kind of, at some wedding, it's 10.30 at night, you're going to sleep, all of a sudden her phone goes ding and she looks at it and it's from her son, it's like, I just want to thank my mom for this, this and the other thing. She's going to flip, she's going to flip out. The relationships, husband, wife, he's away and he's like, and he's like in a hotel and he's in a business trip and he's about to go to sleep and he's like, I just want to thank my wife for always being there when I'm home. I miss her so much. And it's his private diary, but if he wants her to see it, he pushes wife, bingo. Hashem's reason for smartphones. Right? Hashem's reason for smartphones. Right. It's not, it's not, it's not normal. It's not, it's not normal. This, this is what, it's not about my book. It's, it's not about me. This, we have to, we have to, 
saturate Chal with a curse of with gratitude, which everywhere you turn, what? Hundred percent. I feel very much. Uh, you know, this, this happened, and Bracham, this peace. There's somebody called me from Israel who said they want to write a book. There are so many miracles, so many soldiers have so many stories. They want to put out a, a, a book just on this war, like on the Six Day War. I have a book on the Six Day War which shows all the Arabs that ran away. They left their shoes in the sand and their tanks and everything, right? Because they thought who knows what was coming after them. They wanted they want to write such a book. There were so many miracles, and you know, no matter how many miracles Hashem does, something always takes you know, Iron Dome. Iron Dome only knocked down ten percent. Ten percent. From all those missiles, what happened to the other ninety percent? They ended up in the in the in in in, in, the, in the woods, in the forest, nowhere, absolutely nowhere. So I was just saying. So it's 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 no, it didn't hit them all either. So yeah, because Baruch was hidden. So I think it's just it's just it's a revolution, and we gotta hop it. We definitely gotta hop it. Okay. So anyway, let's let's finish up with Pasha Kisaitz. I love this Pasha. Um, so the Pasha says the following. So So what can we do? Rabbi Walton gives all these speeches. You shouldn't watch movies. And you shouldn't listen to non-Jewish music. And he gives all these speeches. You should have Shemir Senayim. You shouldn't look at girls in the street, right? We give all these, all these, all these, all these speeches. But at the end of the day, we all have a Yetzirah. It's a tough fight. You know, you can speak about it yourself. I struggle with all of it. We struggle, right? So what are you supposed to do? And you see, right, that she's really beautiful. I wanted to do a whole different translation on this, but I don't have any source for this. What was the last passage it said? This is my own thing, but it makes a lot of sense. Maybe if you find it, you let me know where you found it. But it's very beautiful, and it makes a lot of sense according to the words. Listen carefully. This is like this. Cool part, very cool part of this year. So we just let, we just, we just, I just told you the following. You're gonna to go to war on your enemy. Who's your enemy? Who's your enemy? Yitzhahara. If you go out to war, you're gonna win. Right? And what are you gonna do? Who are you gonna capture? Yitzhahara. Next passing. For But when you look at what you captured, right? You look at what you beat. The mice is beautiful. The movies are great. Gambling is amazing. Drinking is fantastic. So I conquered it. What's the struggle with addiction? I conquered it. I, 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 I got rid of it. But the truth is, man, I miss it. So, Reisa Meshivya, I captured him. But it's Ishi Fastaya. I miss it. It's beautiful. Girls and drinking and smoking and movies and... And internet and social networking. You know what? I, I, lost it. I, I, I got rid of it, but I miss it. I know exactly what I'm talking about because I've been there. I miss it. When I talk about it, I smile. I remember, guys, when we used to go to AC and we used to go to Vegas. I remember those nights we won a lot of money. I remember all that fun. So it's still a tire. still beautiful. I don't do it anymore. But it's fast tire. Says the Pasik. Once what you captured is still beautiful. Like a movie is still a good movie. I, I right, well, I, I became from, but on my side, I wish I could go to a good movie. Once it becomes your fast tire, says the Pasik. Vikha Shaktaba. 
Once it becomes a, 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 a what's it called, a beautiful thing, you're going to desire it. The Pasuk says, you're going to want to do it again. The drinking, all the addictions, right? You beat it. You beat it. You think you captured it. You think it's over. It's not over. Because if it's your fast if you don't hate it, if it doesn't make you nauseous, what you, what you did, right? That what you captured, that you stopped, doesn't make you nauseous, what's going to happen? It's fast It's going to be beautiful. And then, and then you're going to want it again. And what's going to happen if you want it again? 80% of people who are addicted, who go to rehab, relapse. Bottom line, if you still love it, and it's still your fast tire, you're gonna want it, and sooner or later, you're gonna take it for a wife. It's gonna be, it's gonna do it again to you. I just heard a guy five years, mama's five years, unbelievable, relapsed, crashed. Totally crashed. Five years, so much money, so much rehab. What? What What do you do? It's 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 a war. It doesn't end. It doesn't end. One of the pun, one of the kaparot, one of the kaparot of doing an avera is enjoying the avera and missing it when you can't do it anymore for the rest of your life. It's part of the kapara when a person does an avera. In other words, uh, a person who never drank, so he's not struggling with drinking because he doesn't know what it tastes like. But once he he drank and he liked it, I'm trying to use something clean. I don't want to go into girls and all that other stuff, right? So once he did that. So even if he's good now, so he's suffering, like, I, I really miss it. The, that missing it and not doing it, that's your chuva. That makes you... Avera, Gerasa, Avera. That makes you even stronger because you're constantly... It makes, you, it, makes you, it makes you even stronger, but if you fall into a situation where you're depressed or something happened and you're, and you're like, I'm not doing this anymore, it's the first thing that breaks down because it's where you escaped before. You, you had problems as a young kid, so you went to drugs, or you went to drinking. So now, even though you get rid of it, 10 years later, you just lost your job, when your kids is not well, and you're like, oh man, I can't deal with this. I can't deal with life. What are you doing? You're going to go smoke pot, because that's what got you out of it last time. That's what's going to get you into this time. And once you do that, it's like a relapse in cancer. If it comes back a second time, it's much harder. It's much harder. So what do we do? Say, hey, Hashki say say. What do we do? I want to do it. I want. I desire. I want to take it back. Oh, Terry says, I'll tell you what to do. Strip it. Strip it. Strip it down to its core. And by the way, I'm giving you a little bit of an AA meeting right now. This is what it means. So, so one of the beauties of this Yifas Torah at war is it says that the girls who came down at war, like when the Binyanim came against Klai Yisrael, so to, to get the Jewish men not, you know, not to be concentrating, focusing on the war, but focus on the girls, they used to do their hair. Very, very beautiful. And in their hair, they would have like jewels and beautiful things that the guys would be like, wow! Right? So first thing the terrorist says, shave her head. Wolf with the hair. Because that is, the hair is part of the attraction of a woman. So first thing we gotta do is, we gotta go take off, take off all her hair. Now is a machlekes, what that means. Either it means cut, just like the hair, cut her nails short, cut her nails off, because they used to paint their nails, or it means let them grow very long. Because the machlekes, what is disgusting? Short, having no nails, right? Or having long nails. So it's, it, the medrash brings down both sides, right? But whatever it is, make her fingers, her hands, Look disgusting. So her head's disgusting. Her hands are disgusting. Behesira es simas shivya me'aleha. 
take her clothing off. It doesn't mean the guy should take them. I mean, but take off because they wore very provocative clothing so that the men would look at them. So no, you know, send her in, send her into the house. Have your have have the woman of the house whatever change her. Put her in an ugly house coat. No attraction from the clothing whatsoever. Okay, uh, now we get in trouble. All the all the stores that sell house coats are like our walls thing. Call our house coats ugly. Whatever. Put her in something that's not nice. The Hasir and she should sit in your house and cry for her mother and father that she lost in the war. So what's the terror? What's the what's the terror? Tells that all of a sudden after this, this is the next passing. and behold, if you don't want her, ah, all of a sudden you don't want her, right? But she and let her go, let her go, and you you can't, you're not allowed to sell her. You have to let her go. So what's going on over here? What is the secret that the Torah is telling us when you have this Shisei la Muhammad, this, this, and, and, and you can't get rid of it because you still enjoy it and you still like it even though you don't do it, right? And it's gonna come back and you're gonna, you're gonna relapse. What do you do? So the Torah is telling us, let's take a look at this story. So you have this Jewish guy, and he's going to war, and he has this, he has this Jewish wife, he could have a Jewish wife, or no wife, right? But there's Jewish girls for him to marry. And he goes to war, and he sees this beautiful non-Jewish girl. And he decides, I want her. And he brings her home, right? And he's got this whole, she's gorgeous, and her hair, and her dress, and all that stuff, and she's a Midianite, whatever it is. And the Torah is like, if we're gonna, if we're gonna let him just look at this girl the whole time like she is, we have to strip her of all that beauty. So let's cut her nails off. Let's take her dress off and put something plain and simple on. Let's shave her head. Now, he's not attracted to her physical looks. Now the Torah knows that once you break that down, the spiritual of a non-Jew, she doesn't know how to cook cholent. She doesn't know how to make a filter fish. She doesn't know how to make kishka. She doesn't know how to bring up Jewish children. She doesn't have those sens- sensitivities that a Jewish girl has, right? She doesn't, she's not a tsnua. She, you're not getting a father-in-law because they're dead. Or they're going, well, either you killed them in the war or they're dead. Your children, your children are not going to have her side, bring them up. Your children don't have grandparents on that side, right? So they can't go to those grandparents for Pesach. So, so once you strip the physical beauty of this non-Jew away, oh, Spiritually, this is not for me. So the Torah says, once you do that, you will see. And she's crying. She's not happy. You killed her father and her mother. You wiped out the whole midgen. And you want me to be your good wife? Right? So what do you need this for? Marry a Jewish girl. So the Torah tells you, ah, right after the Torah tells you, let's take away all the physical aspects. And now let's take a look at what you got. The Torah says, you won't want her anymore. He just wants her for the outside. So... This is my share tonight. This is the essence of my share. So let's take uh, let's take someone who drinks, right? Once you strip away the drinking and how it buzzes you and how it makes you feel, the girl, the drinking, the drugs, whatever it is, once you strip that away, what do you have? What does it do for you in your life? It's going to kill you. It's going to hurt you. So so. The outside of it, the rush, right? The, the physical part of it. So that's the attraction. But if you sit down and you say, so, so when I, where am I going with this, with my drugs? 
Then we're going to end up, right? Strip away the right now and look at the consequence. So the consequence of an Eshetifas Toya, the Torah tells us in the next part, in the next chapter, is a Ben Seir Moira. The, the, the consequence of marrying this woman is you're going to hate her because she's going to hate you. You just killed her whole nation. So you're going to end up hating her. Then you're going to treat your Jewish wife better and her children better than her than, than the, the non-Jews children. So the non-Jews child is going to be a Ben Seremira. He's going to rebel against you. And in the end, you and Bezdin are going to have to kill that child. So if you look at the consequence, you're going to let her go. In all these different <laughs> deviations of what the Yetzirah has, it's a momentary, it's a momentary, a minute, two minutes, five minutes, uh, an hour, two hours, maybe a night, right? A momentary enjoyment. But if you look at the consequence of that enjoyment, you have literally hell to pay. It's exactly what the consequence is. You have hell to pay. So if you strip away the clothing and the nails and the hair, which makes, you know, what makes a male lion look so ferocious? His mane. If you take away his mane, he looks like a, like a cat. He looks less than the female lion. Do you know that? His whole thing is, his godless, is that mane of hair. That makes him the king of the jungle. Shave it down, he looks like a little cat. He's not scary at all. You fast tire, shave her hair off, all of a sudden a bald, she's bald, she's got no nails, she's got terrible clothing on, you're like, what did I get myself into here? Go, goodbye, go home, go to your, go to your family, get out of here. So that, that's the godless over here. Even in the center you won the war, you stopped gambling, you stopped drinking, you stopped the girls, you stopped the pornography, you stopped all the stuff. Right? You got it. You got the HL, you're like, I got it, right? No. No, you got it. But that doesn't mean you're going to be able to keep it. And as long as that shivyo looks like a fast tayar, as long as it's still something beautiful, so what you have to do, what makes it ugly? What makes it ugly is the consequence. I remember they had a, they had a film that we showed in school about drinking. So what did they show? How did they try to get the girls to stop drinking? They showed a girl who drank. It was made in England who got into the most terrible car accident they showed her bleeding. It was a terrible, terrible movie. It was, not, it was, it was public, right? And how she died and her three friends died. And they did this whole, this whole thing. My, my, the girls went. So they, they didn't say, drinking doesn't taste good. The buzz isn't good. They're like, the consequence of drinking is you're going to kill innocent people. And as long as you have that consequence, you're able to keep away from even, from, that strips away the beauty of the Avera. The beauty of the Avera. How many people I know pay very heavy consequences, losing their families, losing a lot more for the momentary, momentary enjoyment. Just a moment of enjoyment lost everything. Everything. So that's what the Torah is telling us over here. That if you look at the consequences of the Yifas Tayar, you're going to end up taking the child that comes from that woman with your own hand and destroying him. The Torah says that the people that stone that child to death have to be his mother and father. Parsha. Those are the ones who throw the first stones. Had this man, this Jewish man, realized that because he's so hot and so crazy and so hormonal that he has to have this non-Jewish woman, that because of that, he will kill his own child. He will throw the first stone. There's no way that he would bring her home. 
the consequence, the consequence is what strips away the beauty of the Avera. And that's Pashas Kisetse. And that's something that we learn in every month of Elul, and every single person needs to know. And that's how you stop from relapsing, by understanding, I beat him. So many guys I know said, Ralph Wallstein, I beat it, I beat it, I beat it, and then they're like, Ralph I beat it, but it only lasted three months. Because you beat it and you captured it, but it still was beautiful, you still wanted it, it still was good. You have to make it ugly. I, I, I'm, I'm not talking to you like, I have the same problem. I, you know, I was a gambler, and I had the best times. We had, we just had, we didn't do our favorites. We just, just had great times with my friend. With my friends, and no, I never smoked. I was a ball, I was a ball player. I never smoked. And, 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 um. I was a gambler, and it was wrong, but we had the best times. What do you mean? Instead of learning, I was gambling, and I was in a place where, where women were, were waiting, where, where waitresses, they weren't dressed sneers exactly, you know what I'm saying? And I wasn't sitting at the table when they were shuffling and, and learning Gemara and Chumash. No, it was wrong. It was 100% wrong. But we had good times. So even today, sometimes when I meet my friends, they're like, remember, because we used to always go in the summer, the eight weeks that we were in, in, in the summer. So when we used to go, I was like, man, remember we did this, remember we did and like, and like, And, I, and I'm like, wow, it was like, that was a crazy night. And, and, and until that becomes a disgusting night, I am not safe. Wow. I am not safe. Because if I got into a car and went to Atlanta City right now, I would enjoy it very much. Because I enjoyed it. So, so yeah. So I'm battling. It's my fight. It's my battle. Baruch Hashem, I have something that... I have two things that are protecting me. One is that I learned in the Kabbalah Yashar what I learned, that the money that you make goes to the devil. So... If I'm going to lose the money, right, then then I lost the money. That's stupid. If I win the money, I don't want it. So what am I going for? So, but right, because I don't want money from the devil, and I don't want that money to support, you know, the the the, the raw of the world. But on the other hand, okay, so I don't want to win. I'll just go have a good time. I'll take down fifty bucks. I'll sit by the slot machine, and I hope I don't want to win. Of course, when you don't want to win, you're going to win, because the HR wants to use the money. But let's say I will say, no, I'll keep playing until there's no money left. I just want to play. Right? I understand that that's, that's, that's a trick. No, it's a trick. Because once I go down, right? So, so what's protecting me is knowing that gambling, money from gambling, is the money of the Satan, as the Kabbalah says. And in the end, he supported you, so you live in the next world the seventh level of Gehenna, you never get out, which scared me out of my wits. But there's something else, which is really good. Baruch Hashem for, Hashem for Facebook. And Baruch Hashem for iPhones, because I know that no matter what casino I go in the world, there's someone there that knows me. They'll take a picture. And, that, and it'll go viral in one minute that Rabbi Wallerstein is sitting at a table gambling. So that knowledge of knowing that anywhere I go, that I shouldn't be, one picture destroys everything I stand for and everything I've done. And Shimon loves me. He would take me off. In one second, I'd be off to her anytime. In one second. If it went viral, that Rabbi Wallstein sitting at a table in a casino, in one second, I'd be off to her anytime. And most of you wouldn't come to my share. I might have a bigger share after that from other guys, but, right, but, in one second, Greg Wallstein went to, to, to Manhattan and walked in to a movie theater 
and sat down to watch a movie and there was one Jewish kid there that took a picture of him sitting watching a movie, he would never let me be on Torah anytime anymore. Neither would all the 400 rabbis that are on there. So technology is keeping me safe because I know I can't do anything wrong. Because somebody will take a picture of me. But that's very silly. Because God's always taking a picture of me. Why am I worried about Facebook and and social networks? So 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 why isn't the person worried that they're taking a picture in Shemayim? I read it, Rabbi Gamliel. Every time, every time people, every time people come to Rabbi Gamliel because certain rabbis don't let you take pictures, so they would ask him. Uh, Rabbi, do you mind if I take a picture of you? you know, if you can take a picture of you with my son, my picture. He always says, pictures from you on this world, I'm not scared of. I'm worried about his pictures, not your pictures. You can take all the pictures you want. I'm worried about his pictures. Well, everybody in this room and everybody that's watching needs to know that there's a Facebook in Shemayim. And when you do an Aveira, you're taking a picture of wherever you are. And the people that you're close to in Shemayim know what you did. And you're causing them a lot of pain. So it's not just a picture in this world that you have to be worried about, but it's a picture in the next world. And there are certain things a person can do that you can be taken off Torah anytime in the other world. So yeah, it's pretty cool that um, in a way, this world, this technology, forget about it. I can't go anywhere. I can't do anything wrong. Because someone's got to get a picture of me. It's going to go viral. I'm done. What? You can't hide anything. Anymore. Of course you could in your room, in your house, by yourself. But it's the biggest bracha. But a person has to think. The mission says, I and Raya, we got it too, man. We got pictures in the next world. Boys and Shamas, we got social network up there. Anything you do and anything you say, it's there. It's going viral. That's a very bad virus in the next world. My bracha to all of you is, you should be able to go to war. Whatever you're fighting for the good, Kishboruch should put in your hands, and Yutaka should capture it, it should be your captive. And Be'ezrat Hashem, we should be released from our captivity. You've just experienced another Torah class, brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.